0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. We would love to see you in person on Sunday mornings at 9.15 or 10.45 a.m. at our new location at 5103 Pegasus Court. To learn more about what Sunday mornings at Collective look like, please head to mycollective.church and click on What to Expect. There are gonna be a lot of great things at Collective this summer as Maryland opens up, so stay tuned for upcoming events and announcements as we continue to try to make an impact in our city. Now here's Sunday's message. That's easily one of my favorite songs of all time. I have very vivid memories of belting that song out super emotionally when I was in college because I was angsty over whether or not that girl knew my name. She didn't. Uh, it took us meeting four times before she remembered me, but it's all good because we eventually got married, which is a story for another time. Now, I'm sure you're wondering why the band just play Ocean Avenue by Yellow Card. The answer is because it's an awesome song and we wanted to play it. Uh, but really, it's because of the series that we're in. Today, we are starting a brand new series called 808s and Heartbreaks, where we are going to spend the next four weeks talking about love. And more specifically, we're going to talk about how God teaches through the Bible what healthy dating relationships and healthy marriages look like. And we thought there's no better way to get into the mood than some super emo songs from the 2000s. So each week, our band's going to cover a different song, and you're going to love it. It's going to be amazing. And while we're going to focus a lot on marriage in this series, one thing I want you to know up front is that this series truly is for everyone, It's for people who are dating and considering marriage. It's for single people who want to be dating. It's for students to learn something now that you can bring into a marriage later. It's for people who aren't sure they ever want to be married but actually just want to have healthy friendships. Ultimately, this is a series for anybody who is serious about having healthy long-term relationships. But before I jump into today's teaching, there's a few housekeeping items that I need to talk about. So over the past few weeks, things have started changing again when it comes to COVID. And I'm sure you're wondering how that will impact Collective. Sticking true to what we've been saying for the past 18 months, we are going to keep following the state and county rules that are put in place. And one of the rules that recently changed is that K through 12th graders are now required to wear masks in schools. So with that being the case, we are going to require that all of our teachers And all of our kids that are five years old and up that are back in Collective Kids will start wearing masks again. And trust me, I know if you have kids, uh, your kids are not big fans of this. When I told Elise that she was going to have to wear a mask again, she cried. Um, She's six, so it made sense. Um, But Ray and I gave her a real choice. She could uh, wear a mask and be in Collective Kids or she could choose to stay home with her and her mom and her sister would stay home with her and they would do Collective Online. And she told us that she would rather wear a mask and be in collective kids with her friends than be at home. And so parents, I know that this isn't easy and I know for a lot of you this isn't what's preferred, but this is the right thing to do right now And so we're gonna do it. And we've been doing this for 18 months and we're just gonna keep on that track until it stops us from doing church and preaching the gospel and bringing that to our community. And so that's what we're gonna do um, right now. And if you have any questions about any of this, feel free to talk to Bethany. She's our collective kids director. Um, When it comes to adults, masks are still optional for everyone else, but you are welcome to wear one if that's what makes you feel comfortable. Um, You'll never be judged for that. People won't look at you sideways. Like you have to decide what's comfortable for you. And ultimately, we're just gonna strongly encourage that you be here. So figure out how to be comfortable here. Um, If things change, we will share it on social media. So make sure you're following us on Facebook and Instagram. Here's the next thing. With this series uh, on dating and marriage, one of the core things that we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about prioritizing date nights. And if you have kids, that is often easier said than done. So we are gonna hook you up. On September 11th, from 4.30 to 7.30 p.m., we're gonna open our building so you can drop off your kids and go on a date. It is free, and there are no strings attached. And we're doing this because we don't just want to preach about going on a date night. We wanna create opportunities for you to follow through. So registrations will open next Sunday. You'll find it on the app under Upcoming Events. So when you download the Church Center app or scan that QR code, you'll see it. The spots will be limited, so it will be first come, first serve. We'll know more next week about how many spots we'll have open. Uh, and the theme is pajama party. And Bethany is planning an amazing night for your kids. So mark that date on your calendar. And like I said, registrations will open next week on Sunday morning. All right, one more announcement. And this is really the announcement that y'all have been waiting for. Do you guys want to know the total weight of food that was collected at the grocery store buyout? Yeah, <laughs> you guys are just ignoring the first three minutes of this, it's okay. So we set out with the goal of collecting 8,000 pounds, and I'm not gonna lie, I was skeptical. I'm just being honest, we collected 6,500 pounds two years ago, but it was kind of a different time. It was pre-COVID. So my wife and I legitimately made plans to buy food, and then we would go back through the grocery store later because I assumed that we'd be close to our goal but ultimately fall short. Well, the good news is we didn't have to take a second trip. When all was said and done, 13,543 pounds of food (laughs) were donated. (laughs) It was... uh, Incredible, we had to take multiple trips to the Frederick Rescue Mission. They dropped off the truck and then they had to come back for more. And so Frederick Rescue Mission, West Frederick Middle School and Blessings in a Backpack were blown away. They received way more than what they ever expected. Um, And this is why I love this church. Y'all didn't just break the goal, you crushed, you doubled the goal, or almost doubled the goal. And so um, what that means for the year is that we've collected 18,000 pounds of food for local organizations. And we're gonna do one more thing at Thanksgiving, and we legitimately believe that you as a church and and we as an organization will break 20,000 pounds for the year, which is more than 10,000 pounds more than what we did last year total. So we're excited for that, stay tuned. You can clap for that, that's good. (laughs) Just saying that number out loud. But also, you guys do know that the goal next year is like 30,000 pounds, right? Okay. (laughs) Um, But thank you to everyone who served and shopped and invited, uh, donated, and prayed for this event. Um, Not only are families in our county going to get fed, people got to experience the love of Jesus through this church, and that's really the most important part of this. So you guys are incredible, and we can't wait uh, for next year. All right, so I need you all to be honest with me. How many of you have broken up with someone and you used a line to do it, right? (laughs) Right? No, not not me. Of course not me. Everybody else did it. Uh, Something like, hey, baby, are you in a tunnel? Because we're breaking up. Oh, then, listen, I didn't make this up. Okay, I Googled breakup lines. All right, how about this? Are you a dollar bill because you're single? <laughs> this one's worse. Girl, you're looking like a snack, and I'm going on a diet. <laughs> There's a compliment, and then okay. All right, this one's my favorite one that I found. Hey, babe, are you the McDonald's McFlurry machine because you just aren't working for me anymore? <laughs> Listen, if your relationship is like a McDonald's McFlurry machine, it was never working, okay? Okay, how about this classic one? It's not you, it's me, yeah, yeah. See, some of you used that before. Hey, this just isn't working out anymore, but don't worry, it's not you, it's me. Or hey, I think we need to break up, but you didn't do anything wrong because it's not you, it's me. Right, probably the weakest line of all time but one that you have either heard or said before, right? It's not you, it's me. As we get into this series, that's where we are gonna start, right? We're gonna focus on me, well, me in that scenario, because here's the truth, whether it is a marriage, a dating relationship, or even a friendship, the only person that you can control is yourself. So if you want to have the best marriage possible, It starts with you. And one quick side note, Ray and I do not have the perfect marriage. And so I'm not coming to a place of like, I think I have it all figured out, so therefore I'm gonna bring that to you. We have a strong marriage and we have a healthy marriage, but we both know that our marriage can be better. And so everything that I share with you today and in this series is stuff that I need to hear and I need to take to heart as well. And so Jesu, you all know, we are all in this together. But here's the first thing I want you to write down today. And again, if you are married, this is for the right here and right now. And if you are in a dating relationship or single, these are the habits that you can start building right now for the future, okay? This is really complicated. You ready, take a picture, write it down. A great marriage takes work, right? A great marriage takes work. When it comes to marriage and romance, there's this lie that we buy into. And I think it came from Disney, I'm not 100% sure, but when in doubt, blame Princess Movies for giving us a very unhealthy view of romance. But this lie sits in the background of our mind, and it fuels our assumptions and our decisions. The lie is that once you meet the right person, everything will be all right. That marriage solves all of your problems. The bad habits go away. The insecurities go away. The baggage goes away. But that's a lie. And this lie will have us fantasizing about finding the right person as the solution to our problems, but it never has us fantasizing about becoming the right person. Pastor Andy Stanley says it like this, if you're single or dating, are you becoming the person that the person you are looking for is looking for, right? That's a little bit of a tongue twister, so I'll say it again. Are you becoming the person that the person you are looking for is looking for, or if you are married, are you becoming the person that the person you married is longing for? Right? A great marriage takes work. A promise doesn't replace hard work. A promise, a dress, and a party don't replace work. You can't promise yourself into relational maturity. You can't promise yourself into healthy relationship habits. You can't promise yourself into a great marriage. There is no substitute for work when it comes to your marriage. And we know this in every arena of life, right? We know it in school, we know it at work, we even know it when it comes to our friendships. Athletes know this. I mean, think about this, right? The Olympics just stopped, but what if all it took for Olympic athletes to win gold was a promise, right? All they had to do was go on social media and say, I promise you I will win a gold, so you need to send me to Japan. That's insane. They didn't simply show up with the desire to win medals. They put in work, countless hours every day for years. And they struggled, they fell short, they learned, they had small victories along the way. They put in the work. I mean, I desire to win a gold medal, right? How cool would that be? I would wear that thing everywhere. I'd preach in that thing, right? Oh, this, this is just my Olympic medal that I won because I wanted it really, really badly. That's ridiculous, right? Because the truth is, I am a very slow runner, okay? I don't understand how they do the turn thingy against the wall while they're swimming. I suck at golf, can't hit a golf ball to save my life. I haven't ridden a bike in 20 years, so the idea of, like, turning it sideways and, like, driving around a track is terrifying, and I don't fully understand rhythmic gymnastics. But just because I have the desire to have something doesn't mean I'll get it. It takes work, and if if I'm not willing to put in the time, I will never receive the outcome That I want. And the same is true in marriage and dating relationships. To win relationally, whether you are married in a relationship or looking to get married, you have to put in the work. Saying I do doesn't make you capable, it only makes you accountable. And when you are accountable but not capable, eventually you will be miserable. And there are a lot of ways that you can put work into a great marriage. And we're gonna talk about a bunch of them over the next few weeks, but here's the baseline for this series. We're gonna look at a single command that Jesus made that when you understand it fully, it changes everything, especially relationally. And it's so simple, but the truth is we've complicated it. People who do what I do for a living have complicated this. The church has complicated it, but it is so simple. Here's what Jesus left his first century followers with. Here's what he left us with. Jesus says in John 15, starting in verse 12, he says, this is my commandment. And commandment is just another way of Jesus saying, hey, this is my rule, this is my law, this is my decree. So Jesus is talking to his followers and he says, hey, this is my one rule. Everything hinges on this, so just remember this one thing. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way that I have loved you. Not the way that you have been loved, not the way that you have heard about love, not the way that you imagined love. Love each other the way that I have loved you, which is a whole different type of love. And to understand what this type of love really looks like, we actually have to read something that was written by Paul. Paul was a follower of Jesus that was influential in the spread of Christianity. And what Paul would do is he would go to different cities, and he would start churches, and then he would leave. And while he was traveling to the next city or he was at the other church, he would write letters back to the churches that he started. And many of these letters make up the New Testament of the Bible that we read today. And what Paul did in these letters was he took this single command from Jesus to love each other as I've loved you, and he brought it into the Gentile world, the non-Jewish world. Another way to think about it is the non-church world. And while he was teaching this command to non-church people, he realized that there is a little bit of a cultural challenge. And so he broke it down so they could understand exactly what Jesus meant. And this is so important if you're someone that reads the Bible, especially the New Testament. Um, This will actually help you understand the relationship between the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and what Paul writes. Okay, so Paul, when he writes, he writes a lot in what's called imperatives. These are commands. In other words, whenever you're reading one of his letters and he says, here's what you should do and here's what you shouldn't do, He's not giving new commands. He's simply giving us applications of Jesus's one single command. This is why if you read what he writes, you'll see before and after the commands that Paul makes, he always ties it to everything being in Christ or about Christ or connected to the resurrection, or he'll say, just as Jesus loved us. And so he isn't giving us new rules. He isn't contradicting Jesus. He's saying, here's what this looks like in the real world. And so essentially, Paul comes along and he defines love for us. And if this sounds familiar, it's because you've probably heard it at a wedding. It was probably at your wedding. You might just not remember. But Paul says the kind of love that Jesus demonstrated toward us looks like this in 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse four. He says, love is patient, right? Love is patient. Love is not pushy. If someone is forcing you along, they are not loving you. Love actually pushes me to give you room. Love chooses to move at the other person's pace, right? Love is a decision to pause rather than push. Your pace is natural to you. You are comfortable with it. This is why you think everyone should live and do life the way that you do life, because that's the pace that you prefer. But love doesn't expect everyone to keep pace with me, Love says, I'm going to discover your pace, and I'm going to slow down or speed up and try to keep the pace that you are comfortable with. And so impatience lacks love. And so remember, it's not you, it's me. So I need to ask myself, am I pushy? Am I impatient? We need to be willing to move at the pace of the people we love. So love is patient, and love is kind, Now, kindness sounds soft and weak, and men, I think we especially need to know this. Kindness is an expression of strength, right? Unkindness is weakness. Unkindness is weakness because it means that I can't control myself. I can't tame my tongue. I can't change my actions. I can't control my mindset. Unkindness is evidence of weakness. I once heard kindness defined this way. Kindness is loaning someone your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. I'm gonna say that again. Kindness is loaning someone your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. It's doing for others what they cannot in the moment do for themselves. Kindness is love's response to weakness. So here's a few questions to wrestle with. What is your go-to response when you see weakness? What is your go-to response to weakness in your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend? Is it to offer kindness to offer strength, or to watch them keep struggling. Love is patient and love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, and it is not proud. In other words, love allows the other person to shine. Love is willing to step out of the spotlight even when they have a reason to be in the spotlight. And this is so important. Love isn't threatened by other people's success. Love is able to celebrate other people's success without adding their own story to it, or without reminding everyone else about their success. And here's where this is hard. And this is why it's not about you, it's about me. Because if you don't feel good about yourself, it's hard to let others feel good about themselves. Right? If there's something in you where you can't let someone you supposedly love stand in the spotlight alone, it means there's something in you that you need to work on. And if there's something in you that you need to work on, work on it. Otherwise, it undermines your ability to love as Jesus has loved you. So we forego our privilege. We can forego the credit that we think we deserve. We forego our highlights so we can highlight what our significant other has done. Do you do that? Or is there something in you you just have to step into the spotlight? Or when your husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend is getting credit, you just have to take that shot. We have to add in some kind of negative in order to bring them down. If that is in you, that is going to undermine your marriage. So are you building them up? Or are you trying to elevate yourself by breaking them down? Husbands, how easy is it for you to brag on your wife publicly? Or how about this? I think this is harder. When people are bragging about your wife, how easy is it for you to add on to that rather than subtracting by saying something negative? ladies, how easy is it for you to brag on your husband publicly? Or how easy is it for you to add on to that rather than subtracting by saying something negative, right? So how difficult is it for you to celebrate the success of the people who are closest to you, right? And if there's something in you that struggles and strains, all that means is you have work to do, right? This isn't just a personal character issue. This issue is your ability to love the way that Christ loves you, and you have to work on it. Right? You have to dig deep. You have to work on it. Here's what Paul says next. Love does not dishonor others. To dishonor someone means to treat someone as common. Right? Love doesn't treat people as common. Men who are single. What if you said, I will not dishonor a woman again for the rest of my life? I will not dishonor a woman with my words. I will not dishonor a woman with my actions. I will not dishonor a woman with the way that I look at her. I will not dishonor a woman behind her back with my friends. For the rest of my life, I'm going to honor women the way that God, through Jesus, honored me. What if you made the promise that you will not be another woman's regret? Do you know how much more like Christ that would make you? Honestly, do you know how much more likely you would be to find the wife you are looking for if you did that? This world needs men who choose to honor women and treat them as uncommon. And honor is at the heart of every satisfying relationship. It's about treating people as if they are more valuable than ourselves. And here's the thing, we know how to do this, right? You know how to do this. Just imagine you had the chance to sit down for dinner with your favorite movie star or athlete or musician, right? If you got the chance to do that, you would bring the best version of yourself to that meal, you would show up early. If they arrived late, you would be patient. You would let them know how thankful you are that they gave you their time. You would cherish their stories and listen intently. You would give them your undivided attention. So you know how to do this, but do you bring this into your marriage? Right? Do you bring this into your dating relationship? Do you bring this into your friendship, so on a regular basis as practice for how to eventually treat a spouse one day? And I'm just being honest with you, If you are dating someone where you are consistently and constantly dishonored, you need to break up with them today, right? You can even take out your phone right now and do it. You just text them. You are like a McDonald's McFlurry machine. This is broken, right? Now, I'm not actually an advocate to break up with people over text, but this might be the exception, right? If you are in a relationship where you are constantly and consistently put down and treated as common, get out. And if that is true for relationships, but it's true for friendships as well, because if you don't, you'll eventually start to believe that you deserve to be treated this way, and that will lead to you acting like you are common. And you need to get out of those relationships because you are inherently honorable. And here's how I know that. Even though I might not know you or your story, the value of something is determined by the price it will bring. It's economics 101 the value of something is determined by the price it will bring you were bought at a price right god sent his son into this world to pay a price for you you are extraordinarily valuable you deserve to be honored because of who you belong to and if you are in a dating relationship where you are dishonored please get out do not allow yourself to be dishonored and if you are in a marriage where you, where you are constantly dishonored, seek out marital counseling and work on it, right? And if you are in that place, on your connection card, just write, I need counseling. And we will get you hooked up with somebody who will help you and your spouse work on this. Because the truth is, you are not common. And if the God of the universe treats you as valuable, so should your spouse. So should your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And so should your friends. Paul continues Love is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. And self-seeking is just another way of saying selfish. Right? Love isn't in the relationship for itself, but for the other person. And love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Right? Love doesn't keep a list of every time you have fallen short, every mistake that you've made, every time you were impatient, self-seeking, arrogant, or prideful, love doesn't do that. Love extends grace, grace meaning endless, Second chances. So, for for those of you in a relationship right now, are you keeping a mental list of all the things the other person has done wrong? Are you holding on to that one transgression because you know a future fight is coming? Did you already work through those lists of wrongdoings, but you refuse to let it go? Right, love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Now, that doesn't mean love lets people walk all over it. That's not what Paul's saying. What Paul is saying is once there is repentance, once there is forgiveness, love doesn't continue to hold those mistakes over the other person's head because Jesus doesn't do that to us. And then Paul finishes with this. He says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. This is how you have a great marriage. Honestly, this is how you have great dating relationships and great friendships as well. So really, it doesn't matter where you are or what you are looking for when it comes to relationships. We need to hear this today. But when talking about marriage, this is how you become a person worth looking for. This is how you become a person worth staying for. And none of this comes naturally. It doesn't. Most married people thought that this, would naturally, that this would come naturally so they didn't work on it, right? Most married people thought that this would come naturally once they met the right person. They thought their partner would be so perfect that it wouldn't require patience. It wouldn't require kindness. It wouldn't require honor because the relationship would just be so perfect that everything would magically exist. Again, thanks, Disney. But we know better than that, right? No relationship works that way. And at the baseline of all of this is the truth that the love that we send to other people is the same type of love that Jesus extends to us. Jesus is patient with us. Jesus is kind to us. He gives us strength when we are weak. Jesus lifts us up instead of tearing us down. He treats us as uncommon. Right? He doesn't keep a record of our wrongs. And I'm just being honest with you, but your marriage and your relationships will never be as good as they are meant to be if Jesus is not at the center of them, right? If the definition of love comes from culture or how you were raised or even your own self. So if you are not a follower of Jesus but long to have a great marriage, today's advice, what you just read, it will help you. But for you, it starts with putting your trust in Jesus. It starts with accepting the type of love that he offers because you'll never be able to give what you have never received. And so for you, your next step is choosing Jesus. And the way that we celebrate that at Collective is through baptism. Baptism is the burial of your old self into water and the raising up into new life. And we'll sing this line in a few seconds. It'll say this, it's all of your debt being left for dead beneath the water. And that is where you have to start, right? And if you are ready for that, all you have to do is check the baptism box on your digital connection card and Danielle will reach out to you this week. But if you are a follower of Jesus and you have said yes to the love of Christ, you have experienced his patience, his kindness, his grace, that's what you bring into your marriage. That's what you bring into your dating relationships. It's what you work on right now with your friendship so you can have a great marriage one day the truth is, your marriage will never be perfect. It won't. You can do all these things perfectly. It still won't be perfect. But Jesus doesn't ask that of us. He simply asks us to love others the way that we have been loved by him. Let's pray. God, we are just so thankful for the way that you love us. God, we're just so thankful that the definition of love comes from you and not from other people. God, not even from our parents or the people that we're in a relationship with because ultimately it would fall short of what you want love to look like. And God, we're just so humbled by the fact that you are kind to us, that you give us strength, that you uh, give us grace. But God, I pray that as we, we reflect on that, as we hold on to that, as we are filled up by that, God, I pray that that love is what overflows into our relationships, God, into our marriages, into our dating relationships, and even into our friendships. So, God, this week, as we go out, help us love the way you love. God, help us love other people in our life the way that you loved us. And, God, it's not going to be easy. God, in fact, a lot of us know it's hard, and we're trying to avoid it. But, God, we just pray that this week is different. God, help us fill your love, experience your love, so we can give it right back out to the people in our life. And God, ultimately, for people here who are longing for the perfect marriage or a great marriage or are married right now, God, I just pray that this week things can be a little different as we move closer to you. God, we love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.